0: Welcome to February's Conversations with Chrissy. My name is Chrissy Neiser. I'm the administrator of the Motor Vehicle Administration and also have the honor of serving as Governor Moore's Highway Safety Representative. I'm really excited about my guest this month colonel roland butler who is the superintendent of state police and i've had the fortune of working with you for many years throughout your career yes ma'am. thanks for joining me today thank
1: you for having me i truly appreciate it
0: i'd like to start there you have such a great career working up through the ranks i, I think it would be really interesting for the audience to hear about that
1: you know i've been very fortunate i started with the maryland state police back in 1994 and i had the opportunity to experience almost every aspect of the department working in field operations uh, administrative services, support services, and then ultimately the superintendent staff. So I think it gave me a pretty good picture of the department and what the troopers go through day to day, in particular the road troopers.
0: That's so important, just having that firsthand understanding. And thank you for your service, first of all, because thank you so to much. be a dedicated law enforcement officer for so long, it's just it's a great calling and really appreciate that. Um, so I'm sure you've seen so many changes over the years, right? Yes. That long career. Maybe touch on that a little bit. Some of the different things that you've seen, technology, of course. And from, and-
1: from technology to societal changes, law enforcement mm-hmm. is constantly evolving. Nothing stays the same. There's always something new. And I think the essence of a good law enforcement officer is the ability to adapt to change as it comes up. Because ultimately, the change is less about law enforcement. And it's more about public safety to make sure the citizens are safe.
0: It's a great point that law enforcement reflects society, right? So you Correct. have to evolve and change as society changes. Great point. Uh, so let's jump into highway safety. I know it's a yes. passion that both of us share. Very much so. um, unfortunately, the fatality numbers last year were not good. Mm-hmm. We know that we're over 600, don't have a final number yet. Um, but as we both know, those are those are individuals. Those are family, friends. That, unfortunately, your officers have to make those notices so they understand firsthand that impact
1: and i think it's important for people to understand what you're dealing with very seldom do you have a fatality that only involves one person if there's only one person involved there's still, still a ripple effect with the employer neighbors things mm-hmm. like that but all too often when we have a fatality and you know god forbid there's more than one person injured in that crash you start to talk about how it impacts family members all of a sudden there's somebody that's not coming home that's a serious change to the family dynamic mm-hmm.
0: It's so important. And I, and I know if your officer's making that first-hand notification, it's got to be tough. I can imagine, you know, facing the family member, letting them know what happened or by phone or in person. But I know you tried to do a lot of
1: that in person. It's yeah. tough. And it's one of those things we've realized with the new officer wellness programs. Mm-hmm. It's important that we allow an avenue for them to vent and understand what they're going through because it feels foreign. You know, mm-hmm. you start to internalize things and it's important to understand what your duty is how that impacts you as a person, and how that could potentially impact your personal life, just like it impacts the people that you notify.
0: So important. You have to deal with it or else it comes back in other ways. So great that you're doing that kind of wellness program. Talk about some of the contributing factors, because I know, unfortunately, those have not changed much over the years. But talk about what your officers are seeing out on the roads.
1: When you start to talk about contributing factors to crashes and particularly fatalities, number one, you're probably talking about speed and Mm -hmm. impairment, those two. Speed and impairment go hand in hand. You know, people pick up. We understand the speed limit. You know, it is what it is. But there are people that drive faster than they need to, thinking that they're going to arrive a lot sooner. Mm -hmm. From 55 miles an hour to 75 miles an hour. For a lot of these trips, there's such short duration, you're not going to arrive there that much sooner. And all you do is increase the risk, not only to you, but the other motorists on the roadway. Then when we start talking about impairment, that's a whole other story. Everybody should be alert and aware when they operate a motor vehicle. If you're consuming alcohol, cannabis, anything like that, it only slows your reflexes and your judgment. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, we always say driving requires your full time and attention, certainly if you're impaired by anything, you can't do that. I know speed, we've talked a lot about that since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Be interested to hear a lot of the crash reports. We see these really high speeds out there, and I'm wondering if you're seeing that as well.
1: Unfortunately, during the pandemic, that unleashed what we call the super speeders. You know, we were still trying to figure out how to combat dealing with a person or potential exposure during the pandemic to COVID. Mm -hmm. Once we got back up in operations, you know, and started making stops as aggressively as we were before, you're still seeing super speeders out there, people that disregard the the rule of law. And it's one thing you disregard the rule of law thinking it only impacts you, but it doesn't. It impacts every motorist on the roadway. We don't know the, the driving skill or experience of the motorists out there. So because someone else makes a choice to speed and drive well over the posted speed limit you're still dealing with that inexperienced driver or that that driver that's only going a few places or maybe slightly distracted. Mm-hmm. And it's startling to be passed at a high rate of speed or something like that.
0: And if you're speeding obviously much more likely to be seriously injured or unfortunately killed if that speed is That is, is
1: correct. I mean the data shows that there's a direct correlation increased speed and you know increased severity of crashes.
0: Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, to your point, there's these folks out there going really fast and other people on the roadway feel like they've got to keep up because of the pressure there. So it just brings the speed up overall. which It pushes you towards an
1: unfortunate nexus that results in a crash.
0: Talk about that distraction a little bit that you just brought up. I know we worry about phones, but there's other things I'm sure your officers see on
1: the roadway. You know, from everything from, you know, the cell phone, obviously the biggest distraction everybody knows about something as simple as reaching down. To you know, adjust your radio. If you think about reaching down at you know sixty-five miles per hour, the, the vehicle's probably gone a good what ninety-five feet, mm-hmm. and it only takes a split second. And it's I think most people spend more than one or two seconds touching for knobs, things like that. Or if you're engaged with conversation, somebody within a vehicle, and it gets too intense, and you divert mm-hmm. your attention from the roadway, it only takes a split second to lose control of the vehicle or to make an- contact with another vehicle hmm.
0: Yeah. It happens so quickly that any distraction is just so dangerous at this point. Correct. Just put it away so you don't even have that thought in mind. Put right? it away.
1: Take your time and arrive safely.
0: And we talk about our vulnerable roadway users because we worry about them so much, whether mm-hmm. it's a traditional pedestrian or somebody on the side of the road that maybe had a crash or some mechanical issue with the mm-hmm. vehicle, as well as our bicyclists. Right. It really is a, a profound issue in Maryland and something I know we're all focused on. Certainly. And certainly, there's higher speeds, just even more dangerous when it comes to those vulnerable roadways. Higher speeds
1: do not help the safety equation in any way. Yes,
0: definitely. And so, I'd like to talk a little bit about the move over law because I'm sure your officers um, see that maybe not being followed. Um, certainly, mm-hmm. it's now expanded that actually anything on the side of the road. Um, there's a vehicle there, you should be slowing down and moving over. Is it safe to do so? But I'm just wondering if you talk a little bit about, do they see that out there on the roadway or people following the law? you think there's more education to do?
1: I think there's certainly more education to do when it comes to the move over law. That's something that really started out with just officer safety. A lot of law enforcement officers across the nation were being struck when they were on the shoulders in traffic stops. We've seen an evolution of that with other vehicles being struck, stranded motorists, tow trucks, things like that. Now the law requires you to move over regardless. And we are aggressively dealing with that in areas that we see it a lot more often than not. And uh, we set up uh, patrol observations, things like that, to address those issues with people that do not move over.
0: I think it's very important to bring up a continual reminder. It's a newer law, like you said, and so mm-hmm. we want to make sure people are aware of that. Um, what are some of the things that your agency has been doing to keep the roads safe? I know there's some innovative things with the SPIDER program. I don't know if you want to talk about that a
1: little bit. The state police has had the SPIDER team for some quite some time, and that's something we, we worked. We looked at the data from crashes. We were looking to target the areas that we seem to, to experience the most DUI-related crashes on, and that has evolved in us to having a, a team of subject matter experts. Not only are they out there aggressively patrolling, but they're educating other officers. Mm-hmm. They're providing other officers and other troopers with the ability to detect impaired drivers and take the proper enforcement action, write a solid report, get to court, and get the conviction.
0: That's great. I love how you talk about that data-driven approach. Mm-hmm. we. With- had partnerships to try to get that Certainly. information out on mm-hmm. uh, zero If anybody wants to go out there and look at the crash data, it's accessible mm-hmm. and available to everybody. We appreciate that partnership and the data really has to drive those decisions.
1: You have to. There are not enough law enforcement officers to go around and patrol every road every second of the day. So we have to concentrate on what the data tells us at a given day or given timeframe and get out there and be alert. And make sure that we're out there looking for those that are in violation of the law and take the appropriate action to get them off the roadway and keep everyone safe. Yeah,
0: SPIDER is a great effort. And I know you also partner with local jurisdictions as well. So it's not just the state police. And we certainly appreciate everything that the team does there. Um, And I know everybody thinks about the four E's, as we call them, of traffic safety certainly enforcement, but you all do a lot in education. And you mentioned that, right? Those interactions with drivers are often an education opportunity.
1: Well, I think early on, it was re- really the threes. When we added that fourth E, we looked at this thing in a more holistic approach. The education component is probably the strongest piece because not every stop that we make results in a citation, we do issue warnings. We do issue safety equipment safety equipment repair orders. We look at these as educational opportunities to tell people, hey, your behavior at this point may not rise to a level of citation or it's the trooper, or the officer's discretion. However, it could be problematic.
0: Right, That stop could make a difference in that driver's life or even somebody else seeing that vehicle pulled over might think I need to slow down a little bit. So that's, that's a Correct. really big impact.
1: You never know at what point in time you're encountering a person. So that warning may be just as effective as a citation in some circumstances, saving a life educating the individual and we also hope that they pass that along to someone else just sharing with friends and family I happen to get stopped for this, this and this. maybe you should concentrate on that also That's when you're driving. Right. That's right.
0: We talked a little bit about um, impairment and I want to hit on something which is fairly new, which is cannabis being legal. In Maryland, I wonder if that evolution has changed what you're seeing on roadside. Maybe it's too soon to tell, but I just wonder what that looks like from your perspective.
1: Early on with the decriminalization of marijuana, we did see an increase in events concerning people operating motor vehicles under the influence. We understand that people may choose to indulge just like they do with alcohol. The thing that we'll ask them the most is please do not get behind the wheel of a vehicle. Uh, The most important thing, if you're going to consume alcohol or cannabis, you know, find a safe driver, find a designated driver, use a ride sharing program, call a taxi. You know, so many good options, right? You have so many options and each one of those options could potentially save a life or your life.
0: That's right. Because sometimes it's you and sometimes it's the other person. But either way is never a good outcome. Talk about some of the training that law enforcement has done because this, again, is, is newer. And so, you know, um, 0.08 um, alcohol is well known and trained on. But now we have cannabis to think about as well.
1: Obviously, the, the state police and other academies have introduced that into their training curriculum with the detection of not only alcohol, but also cannabis. Uh, for those that are already out in the field, we've done that kind of bringing them back in in an in-service fashion. And we also offer what we call a ride, Advanced Roadside Impairment Detection and Enforcement. And it's meant to be more of a refresher. As, you know, some people, they may have been through the Academy 10, 15 years ago things are constantly changing. The National Highway Safety Administration often updates what they call indicators for impairment and things like that. Those are things that some officers and some troopers need a refresher on. And also, it'll provide that extra little bit of confidence to go out there and do your job.
0: Mm -hmm. I know we've done in partnership some green labs, which is essentially the opportunity to, in a controlled, safe environment, to be able to see what are those signs of impairment so that when you encounter it roadside, You have a better idea.
1: Again, there's a parallel between many aspects, the cannabis and also the alcohol. Alcohol, early on, it was called a wet lab Mm -hmm. where you had people that were dosed at specific rates to allow you to give standardized field sobriety tests to see what their response is. Now we've moved that over into the evolution of cannabis. We're doing the same thing with green labs. People are dosed in a controlled environment and it allows the officers and troopers to go give sobriety tests and things of that nature to see what level of impairment they're dealing with or what some of the reactions might be, be like. It's one thing to see it on paper. It's another thing to experience it in person.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. And, you know, all the training that officers have to go through. if you think about all the things they could encounter mm-hmm. roadside, um, it's such an important part of it to keep up with the latest trends and new things that are happening.
1: And just like we talked about education, it's not only education for the motorists, it's education for the law enforcement officers also. That's
0: great. So we're talking a little bit about traffic stop. We know it can be stressful if you're that driver. You see the lights, you hear the siren. Mm-hmm. Um, you're probably thinking, "What did I do wrong?" Talk about what can the driver do to make it safer for the officer as well as better for themselves because we know that's a dangerous interaction as well.
1: First and foremost, if you see emergency lights behind you, and you hear lights, siren things, see like lights or sirens, things like that, the first thing you want to do is stay calm. Mm-hmm. Be calm. Pull to the side of the road left side or right side. If you're in a dimly lit area, it's okay to continue at a low speed, maybe turn your flashers on and pull to a well lit area. Uh, If you're really concerned, you can turn on your interior light of your vehicle. Uh, You have to think about that traffic stop. It doesn't just impact you, but it impacts the other motorists that see those flashing lights. We don't want them to become distracted and create a hazard for either the law enforcement officer or the individual being pulled over. It's important to stay calm. The officer is going to come up, give a proper introduction and talk about why you were stopped. If you disagree why you're stopped, he's going to explain or she's going to explain the options that you have to pursue legal remedies for that situation. It's not the best thing to try to argue your point or try to hold court on the side of the road. It's one of those things where you kind of have to agree to disagree and then go take it through the proper legal channels for resolution.
0: It makes sense. And, you know, it's, I think, important because in that moment, people may be a little tense, right? And right. so they're trying to figure out what they should do. But, you know, keep, keeping calm throughout the, the yeah. um, interactions, probably the best advice you could get. Right? Certainly. That makes sense. And so um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about moving over, but related to work zones in particular, because mm-hmm. I know state police has been a real partner in the effort with the Highway Administration and Transportation Authority. And unfortunately, we saw that horrific crash um, almost a year ago now um, on 695 that everybody was really devastated about. And so Lieutenant Governor and the Governor have been squarely focused on how do we keep our workers safe? And and I know you all have an important role there.
1: Uh, Certainly. Back on March 22nd, 2003, it was probably the worst work zone crash I've ever seen or heard of in my entire law enforcement career. Uh, It was one of those things where obviously there was some impairment. I think that's come out in the media. And there's also excessive speed. Work zones are extremely dangerous. Uh, people become distracted looking at workers or other things. It's important that you pay attention when you enter a work zone, reduce your speed, and make sure that not only you get through the work zone safely, the people working in those work zones get home safely. The Lieutenant Governor has has charged with developing a commission to examine work zone crashes. I think every law enforcement agency in the state has been rather aggressive with work zone enforcement. The Maryland State Police has really stepped up with work zone enforcement. Uh, When you start to look at what we're doing statewide, uh, just year to date, we've had 82 work zone initiatives that concentrate Mm -hmm. specifically on work zones, construction zones, et cetera. Uh, From those just 82 initiatives alone, this doesn't include regular patrol activity. You had over 1300 traffic stops. Uh, You arrested 17 people with outstanding warrants and made over 22 DUI arrests. Mm -hmm. If you think about that, someone impaired, be it alcohol, cannabis, or what have you, driving through a work zone, I mean, that's the recipe for tragedy, It's scary. It
0: is. It is. And those same things that we've talked about, to your point, impairment, speed, distraction, even more dangerous in the work zone. And I know we focus, we want to protect the workers, so we've talked a lot about that. But really, when we look at the data, the crashes tend to seriously injure or kill the driver more often than the workers. So you need to look out for yourself as well as the workers. The
1: data is there. And I think if anybody closes their eyes and thinks about the last time they went through a work zone, you didn't, you probably didn't have all the lanes available. There's Mm -hmm. a lane taken away, which creates a little bit of a bottleneck as people merge in and just imagine trying to do that at an excessive speed or with someone under the influence.
0: That's exactly right. And they change frequently. So you have to you yes. know, really be alert and, the and traffic and, and patterns the are not always the same. That's right. Really good point. Um, at the end of the day, we want to get everybody home safely. And I know that's your mission as well here at State Police. I wonder if there's anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners, whether it's from a highway safety or just a general law enforcement perspective.
1: I think everybody we're so used to commuting back and forth in a vehicle. We take it for granted yeah. and you have to stop and think about the responsibility back when we all first started mm-hmm. driving. There was someone be it parent relative or whoever that impressed the importance of taking your time operating your vehicle safely driving defensively those are all reminders that we should have as we start our vehicles and begin our commutes because i think everyone begins their commute or begins their journey wanting to arrive safely
0: that's right yeah i think it's so important if we would just think about each other we've talked a lot with works mm-hmm. and safety about that culture of safety, being courteous to other people, sometimes that's lost in the rush to get to where you wanna be.
1: Be courteous, take your time, drive defensively. That's right.
0: Well, thank you so much. I I really appreciate you joining me and I appreciate what your officers do every day. I always say they take their lives You know, into their hands being out there to defend us. And, you know, unfortunately, we do hear about too many officers being struck on the side of the road. They deserve to go home to their families as well.
1: They certainly do. And I think the active partnership that we have, it makes our mission a lot easier. So I thank you.
0: Thank you. And thank you all for joining us. Really excited about this month's conversations with Chrissy to talk a little bit more about highway safety from the law enforcement perspective
1: with Colonel Butler. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to chatting with you next month.